Vibrations Podcast, Part 37, Jake Johnson, recorded 26th of January 2022. Hi, I'm Gary Brightman, and this is my periodic podcast called Vibrations. Established in 2018, Vibe is a book and music shop situated in Moiwo on Lantau Island in Hong Kong. So, what's been happening at the shop recently? Our first event of the year kicked off on Saturday the 15th of January with author Chris Madden's book tour consigning at Vibe. Chris has lived in Hong Kong since 1987 and, like most of us, immediately fell in love with the place. After a stint in the civil service, he was previously chair of the Hong Kong Writers' Circle and now mentors startups, as well as sailing and hiking in his spare time. The talk was well received and published on our YouTube channel, Live at Vibe HK. Why not subscribe to it now to see all of our previous talks and music gigs and, of course, these podcast interviews. We're currently in the middle of Chinese New Year and are all now governed by the Year of the Tiger. Kung A Fat Choi. To you all. The next event at the shop will be this Saturday, the 5th of February at 2pm. A Facebook live stream Tiny Desk Gig with Steve Bernstein. Steve plays mandolin and vocals in the cover band Stax. The music is a mix of Americana blues, folk and rock. From the Grateful Dead, Fish, Bob Dylan, the band and others. For the next few months, the shop will undergo a facelift and reorganisation. Keep listening to this podcast for our exciting new plans. We now have a piano! Yay! Gifted by Patrick, a Moiwo resident, the purpose of this is to allow customers to come and play it. A little bit like the idea they had in London a few years ago of introducing pianos to train station concourses. We'll also be able to use it for our Tiny Desk programme of events. The piano will be fully tuned after Chinese New Year. As well as local authors and artisans, we like to promote local musicians and singers at Vibe. So, if you fancy performing a tiny desk gig at the shop one Saturday, or know someone who may do, then please contact me directly. And so, to this week's interview. Like many people, Jacob Johnson was born. As a toddler, he was moved from a rural area of Middle Tennessee to Memphis, where he spent most of his youth. While spending his teenage years endeavouring to avoid living up to his scholastic potential, he began working in the food service industry as a line cook at a corporate chain restaurant. After an unmotivated perfunctory stint in university, he decided that he may as well go to culinary school and acquire a broader range of skills to accompany the unhealthy sleeping habits and functional alcoholism the restaurant industry had already given him. Around this time, he met Matilda, who would become his wife, while playing fighting games at a shopping mall arcade. Their idiosyncrasies were surprisingly compatible, and they were married a few years later. After buying a small home and beginning to establish a respectable rut, they realised they were bored and wanted to try living somewhere entirely different. As Matilda still had permanent residence in Hong Kong from her childhood, they decided they would move here, with no plan whatsoever. Both ended up finding work in schools and spent the next seven years travelling non-stop during every holiday and long weekend. After a brief stint in the States, Jake rediscovered an old hobby he'd picked up as a teenager and started making beef jerky. After a year or two of using his friends as guinea pigs to improve recipes, the birth of his first son prompted a somewhat irrational decision to leave the security of his job to spend more time with his family and pay the bills with beef snacks. After renovating a small location in Moiwo to begin building Lantau Jerky, Jake and Matilda decided to start cooking a few simple comfort foods from Southern Cuisine on weekends to make a little extra to pay the rent. Thanks to the overwhelming support of the Lantau community, this little side hustle grew to become Southside. So, welcome to Vibe, Jake. Thank you very much, Gary. I appreciate you having me. So, as we do, we'll start off with ten questions. First question is, um, favourite book or author? Well, I've, uh, I've had a few over the years and changed. When I was a kid, I was, uh, I was really into Terry Pratchett and uh, other kind of light fantasy. I always leaned towards satire. There was a really important book when I was a early 20s, late teens or so. 
called uh, Prometheus Rising by Robert Anton Wilson. Okay. It's kind of a psychology, self-helpish sort of book, but it's uh, it's pretty dated. I think it's from the late 70s or something, okay. but it was uh, it's good. But um, I don't know. I jump around. I like I like fantasy. I like history. I like uh, yeah. their stuff. Favorite musical artist? That is a tougher one because I do listen to quite a bit of music and I've played quite a bit of music. Um, I'd say... The the easy answer that I've always been able to pop out is uh, is my favorite albums because I put a bit more thought into that because I like yeah complete albums I'd say um, Wish You Were Here by Floyd is an yeah. excellent complete album yeah uh, the first self titled Boston album is an excellent album okay and um, Ten by Pearl Jam is a great album okay like, all the way through so, good but that's that's and I guess that's kind of the 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 main spread but I I love old country and and yeah. some of the new silly country and <laughs> and of course southern rock i grew up with a lot so yeah I, there's, there's a lot of that yeah the, the jam out stuff something you mentioned there that um you're in a band you're a musician yourself and you know hum, one day we hope to get you playing in uh, in vibe uh, and on a tiny desk gig just tell us a little bit about what you're playing how you got into it uh I, well, I grew up singing all the time, I guess I was saying. I, I grew up, as many people where I come from, in yeah. a church a few times a week. And I, I've sang since I can remember. I've always sang. And I, when I got into more serious music, I don't know about serious, but like when I, yeah. when I started, expanded my own taste in music yeah. and started wanting to, to play in bands and play music outside that, I singing was the easiest thing for me, but I didn't ever know what to do with my hands. So I had to learn how to play guitar to, yeah. to do something. So I sing and also play guitar, so I don't look foolish with a microphone. <laughs> I like but, it. Um, yeah. So my strategy was to try to play things that nobody else plays. So I I play okay. steel guitar more than I play uh, you know, regular guitar or electric okay. guitar. I'm a, I'm a very mediocre electric guitarist, um, but. I play a few other things. I play a lot of ukulele, or at least I used okay, to. Okay, right. Play, um, a bazooki was a Greek instrument yeah. that I, I love playing. It's one of my favorite things to play because it's 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 simple. It's just like a giant ukulele. Yes. But it's yeah. um, but it sounds like a twelve string guitar. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's, it's the nice... perfect it's the perfect instrument for a uh, for a musician who rarely practices. Yeah. So the music bit. You do you have a band that you're playing regularly? Uh, we do. We have a band called Broken Head that we play from time to time yeah it's, it's not a great time for live music so um in the first year of the of the stupidness we played uh whenever there was kind of a lull in the in the lockdown psychosis yeah we, we would have a gig or two maybe and then it would lock back down and it would be frowned upon we were right at the beginning of the first lockdown we played a, a birthday party and um there was a and I think a positive case registered a day or two after that, and mm. everyone was sure that we were the ones who spread it. And there was a big thing. It was it was oh, actually yes. a, it was a musician that plays in a band in Wong Kok. He just happened to live here. That's right. And, and that party was just preceded that by a day or two, and uh, that yeah. was the, of course the the pitchfork mob jumped right up and said, "Oh, I know there was a band playing it there. It must have been them." And I, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so dirty musicians. Yeah, well, I guess <laughs> you're right. So that was you guys. I remember that little legend that popped mm. up about one or two years ago. And yeah. um, uh, with that group, we we lean towards kind of a, a lot of alternative and grunge and I don't know. 90s oh like <laughs> uh, well the, the music of our teenage years i suppose yeah and, uh, I love so it's a grunge yeah, yeah so that we we have a we have a louder end and a, and a more calm quiet okay end. so i'd i'd i think i'd do more acoustic stuff than anyone else in there but because yeah my uh the only way you get to be a good musician is just playing in front of people hundreds of times. Yeah. And I spent yeah. uh, a fair amount of time at open mic things and stuff just with an acoustic guitar, with my acoustic lap steel, just playing and yeah. sometimes sucking and sometimes doing good. and Gutsy. Gutsy. Yeah, well, it's, it's, no, yeah, as you say, just standing up in front of an audience. Anonymity is the key. Go somewhere where nobody yeah. knows you. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. The best, the best way to get because you're going to have to get it out somewhere or another. So um, question three. We're only at question three. Oh. Preferred drink? If I feel really energetic and enthusiastic about it, yep. I love a mint julep. Okay. In the summer especially. And I like... Uh, I like a hot toddy in the winter. 
Okay. Uh, there's there's a pattern there, I think. Um, yes. And and whiskey and coke or whiskey and water. If I'm lazy, I probably drink whiskey and water more than anything. Really? I, Do you have a life motto? There's a quote that I uh, that I read when I was young that I I identify with a lot, I guess, and it's kind of been a uh, something I've gone back to over and over again. This is from uh, yeah. Robert Heinlein. I think I think it's in uh, Time Enough for Love. This is a uh, a human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. <laughs> That is outstanding, Jake. I think, well... That is the number one best life motto we've heard so far. (laughs) I'm flattered. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe it's my shiftless nature and and, uh, that I I, I guess I'm a sort of a jack of all trades. Yeah. But I kind of like to be good at everything. And and not that I am in any way. There's a lot of things that I have yet to to, uh, get moderate competence yet but yeah i uh i figure you got you got a fair amount of time in life it's it's a long time to just do the same thing over and over again and i get bored and i i i guess i stay curious there's yeah. there's always new things yeah. to to learn and that yeah. and i'd rather prefer to do things myself mostly even though i yeah. I, I run out of time constantly but that's uh that's i'm always Fooling yeah. around with something, welding or doing some plumbing <laughs> or <laughs> or uh, other good. little odd jobs. But yeah, I feel like if you've if you've gained a skill and you you've you've got a bit of aptitude at something, it's not wasted time. Like you, you're no. nice, and that's even if you you can just do something in an amateur way, it's uh yeah, it's a worthwhile. That's because there's there there may be a situation where there's not anybody else to do it. What about favorite Hong Kong walk? Do you get time to walk? <laughs> I used life? to have quite a bit uh, when I worked in town. Insofar as Hong Kong, and I, I, there are nature walks that I like, but if it's yeah. a Hong Kong walk, um, I like Kowloon a lot, much yes. more than Hong Kong Island. And I, I agree. I, I think it's just it's more real to me. Like I yes. don't I don't like the the plastic scene covered like cellophane Hong Kong I, with yeah. all the like yeah. the big retail outlets and the fancy people with their posh clothes. Like I, it's that kind of drag between Yamate and and uh, Samsoipo, I guess. Mm. Whereabouts? So you mentioned your childhood. Um, where where was your childhood? Where were you born? Uh, in Memphis. I mostly grew. I was born in Chattanooga. Oh, wow. uh, I lived as God, in my the history there. Yeah, the the years <laughs> that I don't remember, I lived in kind of rural Middleton, Middle Tennessee. When I was two something, uh, my family moved to Memphis just before my sister was born. Uh, my grandparents oh, on my father's side lived just outside of Memphis. And uh, I lived there all through till I was uh, finished with school. And Memphis, yeah. and I've one of my generic things that I say to people: I think Memphis is a great place to be from. I think it's right. a great place to visit. It's a questionable place to live right now. It's yeah, just, okay. It's not. Memphis has a few perpetual problems that they never seem to solve. That that there's right. there's a crime problem. There's a lot of there's a lot of poverty there's wealth inequality and there's there's a lot of the the kind of ugliest legacy of racism and the yeah that that just hangs over it like a cloud and it's it's important to understand it's important to to learn the lessons from and do it but it's it's exhausting to live in it yeah in saying that I, i also am proud of where i'm from and i i I love my home and I yes. love a lot of things about it, but yeah. I, I think I kind of identify broadly with all of Tennessee different because I've, I've yeah. always had a lot of family in other parts of the state and spent holidays and Christmases and stuff yeah. on the other side of the state also. So I, I, um, yeah, I like, and I've spent more of my adult life in Nashville than Memphis, and, yeah, which okay. is a, a fairly hopping city now. Question six, uh, what Hong Kong restaurant would be your favorite? You, you can plug your own at this point if you like. I'd like to, but I can't. Um, yeah, and that's not because I, I certainly eat more of my own food than any other, <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's the cheapest to me. But it's, um, yeah, I love Sichuan food, and I, I think Samsoipo is a good place for Sichuan restaurants. They're they're yes. scattered around, but there's a place called Mama La La. This is uh, their main thing. They do is kind of I think they call dry hot pot, but it's you go down like you're doing um, those cart noodles and and pick 
things, okay. pick ingredients to add. Then you pick, yeah. there's a few types of spice and level of spice. And then um, and yeah. you do it and then they win that big walk with it. Um, yeah, yeah, and just uh, blend it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Faced with a python whilst walking up to the peak, what would you do? Uh, probably keep walking. I, to my knowledge, pythons yeah. are not dangerous to adult humans. No, I suppose. Well, no, I'd probably really. keep walking. Um, not unless you're a small chihuahua or a cat. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. Most of the snakes, the, the snakes we have in Tennessee are. Um, there's water snakes bother me more than any other one because we have a snake called the cottonmouth, a moccasin, and they're they're dark brown and their mouth is white. But when they swim, they swim in that creepy way snakes do. Yeah, you see them in ponds and creeks all the time, right. and they hang out on the edges of creeks looking for uh, little creatures and things. They eat yeah. fish, but and is that snake a poisonous snake they are those yeah. are poisonous uh that and we have we have one called a, well we get rattlesnakes but not common uh the yeah. other main one's called copperhead and it's kind of the color of leaves and it, yes. it hangs about in leaves and that's the one that's here all right well they're 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 they have a diamond pattern on their back and they're yeah. kind of bronze and red but they are aggressive and they are jerks they're they're not they will chase you and they're they're the ones you see in the forest all the time and yeah. um that when i was a kid hiking around the hills or whatever you always used to when you step over logs you'd have to carry a stick or something just to like to hit the log before you step over it yeah because um the way the log cools they'll lie up in that crevice alongside logs and right. stretch out long and you'll step over a log and you might step on one or step right next to it and it'll startle it and the and he snaps like immediately Jesus. that's the uh that's, that's a skill to learn <laughs> yeah well you the, and they're they are they sometimes you can barely see them they'll just be sitting they're coiled in leaves and you can't wow you can barely see them until you're upon them yeah and then they're um they strike and run at you or yeah they, i don't suppose they run but they uh they come after you but i'll tell you another wow. the, this and this story i've had a totally different childhood to you I would say. <laughs> <laughs> this story this story will help you i think because it, yeah. it was a, it was very informative and i when i was a boy i, I was riding with my dad in a truck and we were on our way back from fishing uh in a some little fishing pond and this and I, we regularly would see these snakes fishing and that and i can uh, so this and this was two different times but in a similar time frame and that i can remember uh we had a, a stringer my dad had we'd been uh catching something um crappie maybe we we're in this pond and and my dad would get out there and stand about knee deep and there are these little tufts of of uh sawgrass or some kind of like water wow. grass that are there and he had a fish and he'd catch fish in there and he'd put them on a string he had a metal stringer and the stringer was tied around one of these little tufts of grass and then down <laughs> in the water and uh with the fish on it and he was over there and i remember watching him i was on the dock or i was i was on the i was not in the water and he was standing right there and that the the stringer was jingling and, and jumping around or whatever wow. and he went and, and pulled it out and there was a big old moccasin that it was had one of those fish and it was holding Jesus. it and pulling back on the thing and the Jesus. snake had its had its body coiled around one of the other tufts of grass and, and my dad my dad's a pretty big fella like and he was uh <laughs> he was leaning back uh holding the stringer and the the snake was holding the fish on the other end of it and pulling out the fish was going to tear in half but he uh he pulled and and uh he had a a knife like a, a fillet knife or something in his, yeah. in his back that he could reach and like pull out and he cut the snake and wow. uh the snake like let go but he was the snake was pulling so hard on it when he um <laughs> when the snake let go my dad fell back into the pond Jesus in there whatever. but um I hate it, and yeah. he, he just got right back up and kept on fishing. I don't know. He's it's just got, normal. He fears, well, he 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 has fears in other categories, but I fish snakes were never one of my guests. I'll uh, I'll tell you, and this is and I'll, that's I'll, great. I'll keep this it. in brief because uh, this is a this is a more uh, heartwarming story, I guess. Um, but so we were on another one of these trips. We were riding back in this uh, in a truck, and um, we we were on this old country road uh going down and and there was uh what appeared to be a log or something in the road and we went up and pulled at it and we stopped in front of it and um i think my dad got out and, and looked around and there was a it was a copperhead that was coiled in the road and it was in uh. the middle of the street and it was there so i so i think we got out and he didn't want to just run over it so uh like we he got out and there was some gravel on the side of the road and he he picked some up and i i was inside the car watching and this was at the time i still wasn't a friend of snakes yeah and uh, uh he was sitting and he he picked up some gravel and kind of threw it at the snake to get it to push off and <laughs> move on about its way and when he threw it when he threw the first and the snake coiled up and went up 
and uh, he Jesus. he was just throwing rocks at the snake, and the snake was striking the rocks as he threw them. Wow! So it was like it was wow. coming. It it hit the rock in the air, and it, he did that for a few times, Jeez. and he was kind of getting a kick out of it. He was watching, and he kept throwing <laughs> at different parts of the snake, seeing what would happen. And um, we could and this this uh, oh this feller God. said said uh, oh stay there, and it went over, and there's an old guy. Because they had a part, there's a, he was sitting on the porch of a house over there. He walked around the side of his house and got an axe and walked out kind of slow. Old got man an walking. axe. Yeah. Well, he, was, he, he must have been 80. And he kind of slowly like walked up his, his, the, the, the drive and uh, came into the road and walked right up to the snake. And uh, the snake turned and looked at him and uh, did a snake face or whatever. Wow. And, and the guy uh, took and leaned over with the axe and, and dropped the axe on the snake, but he missed. And it kind of deflected off the side of the snake. And the snake said, Rah! and hissed and like made it all oh kind of carried God. on. And this guy reached across the snake, picked up the axe, cut his head off. Wow. It didn't G- move a muscle and like just walked out. And it changed the way I saw snakes forever after that. And yeah. I think that is their, I think they're like, uh, bees are like this. They're animals, uh, like, especially hive mind kind of animals that they're, yeah. they're, they, they react to your fear. Like they can, they can sense your fear in a way that we fear. can't. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. Do it. And if you are yeah. cool as a cucumber, I think they don't know what to do. They don't, yeah. they, it doesn't, them. yeah. And it, it's the, but I, it's a lot of that kind of the hypnotic stuff with snakes. You see snake charmers and the people like, uh, crazy religious people that, yes. that mess with snakes. Like there's, yeah, there's a relationship there's a, there, yeah, isn't there's there? a, there's a calm that affects the snake psychologically and makes it behave differently. Yeah. And uh, I think yeah. that's the, that's the, uh, that's the trick. I'm starting to regret talking about snakes now. All I said was, <laughs> what would you do if a python went? Wow. Well, well, you <laughs> no, no. You've crafted these questions. I've crafted these questions and they're working. Question eight. Best advice you were given? Don't go anywhere near a snake when it's no. angry. Bro. No, that's that. That wouldn't be good advice. Um, I, my grandpa always used to say, "Don't be, don't be beholden," uh, which, mm. which I think is, yeah. is is fairly universally good advice yes. because I, I, I hate owing people things and I hate people owing me things. Yes, and uh, I, I kind of like to stay on even accounts. Uh, finish this sentence. I live in Hong Kong because that used to have much more coherent answers. I, I I love Hong Kong. Uh, I love yeah. and I've I'm fairly integrated into it. I, I um, yeah. there are there are a lot of things that I uh, love about Hong Kong that used to be more applicable. Yeah. In antiquity. Um, Agree. Yeah. Uh, there are still a lot of great things about it. Um, I love this little corner of Hong Kong more than many of the others uh, but yep. I, I I like the diversity I like the I like the interesting thing and, and I think probably just for comfort's sake the reason I've spent so much time here I enjoy the uh, the, the variety of people you meet because you, you yeah back home you man there are there's a lot of great people back home and, and there's that but but you end up meeting just different shades of the same person over and over again as you meet new people and yeah. of course there's depth to yeah. everyone and there are a lot of like fascinating people you can meet but it just is the scale of variety of people you meet i know pretty much every person i have regular contact with that i'm friends with here they all come from different places they all have entirely yeah. different life experiences they're all like in different fields they all come from different backgrounds of uh that so yeah, absolutely. The stories you hear yeah. and the like, the viewpoints and the it, I think it's good for personal development to hear a lot of different viewpoints. So, what is your favorite area of Hong Kong? This one, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I, I think oh, there's a lot of reasons. I think Muguo is the best place to live in Hong Kong, but I just that diversity is is one of the main things. There are yeah. there are all kinds of people here, and I think there's a good uh, demographic mix between, um, you know, local local Chinese and but also a lot of uh, BBC, ABC like Chinese who have spent a fair amount of time overseas and come back, yeah. and the 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 kaleidoscope of the Guaylo class and uh, yeah. then there's a good Filipino population, a good Indonesian population, a good there's so there's a, a good representation, a good South Asian population. You have a lot of representation from different places, yeah. and there isn't one. There are a lot of neighborhoods that have diversity like that, but there's there's kind of 
one or two of the groups will always be pushed down into a small minority. Yes. I think here there's a yeah. fair balance between a lot of different cultures and none are too overly represented and none are yeah. too, uh, uh, none kind of dominate the culture of the area. Yeah. So you yeah. see all kinds of people everywhere. And for the most part, to my experience, everyone seems to get along fine. So it's, uh, yeah. that's that, but it, there's, yeah. it's also, I mean, movie was a, it's a beautiful place and there's, there's about everything. I always thought if I was about a, eight-year-old boy there are a few places i'd rather live than because yeah. yeah. it's a whole self-contained world there's yeah. there's mountains there's trails there's places to ride a bike there's a beach there's there's all that and you can go everywhere on a bike like there's yeah nothing. yeah so and it's safe can we just go back to um why did you come to hong kong what made you come here uh, i met my wife when i was uh just turning 21 and uh and you know when you're kind of 40s yeah I had never did my my entire knowledge of Chinese culture mostly came from kung fu movies, uh, like most of us. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I had, uh, and I was, I think maybe this is, a, I was a fan of of uh, Jackie Chan movies and and uh, yeah. Bruce Lee and stuff. Oh yeah, time. and so I, uh, yeah, I just uh, I met this girl in a in a games arcade. I worked at a restaurant that was. Um, adjacent to this shopping mall she was one of those uh girls hung out with her her little crew of, of friends in the mall all the time and nice. and uh so and she she grew up playing games all the time also so i, I think she would end up uh, she'd break off from her her crew of uh of assorted asian friends because that's how it is in america i guess yeah <laughs> and, yeah. and she'd uh she'd hang out in the arcade so we met her there and and uh started dating and and uh we're around and we got married for four years later or so and, okay. And she, uh, yeah. After we were, we were, I guess, relatively okay there, and uh, we had a house, and everything was all right. We were just kind of gotten bored, and we're yeah. in that is this it sort of moment or something. Yeah. So we thought, well, we'll we'll try something else, and we went and did that. But she still, she lived here until she was nine, and uh, she still okay. had right to land and residence and stuff. So we thought Good. we didn't really have any plan. We we weren't. Uh, big long-term thinkers at the time i guess so we yeah. thought like well shoot let's just let's see what it's like and we went over there and we yeah. found a place to stay and we wow. we had some poor times and that was why we ended up uh we ended up in Muiwa actually that when i we had visited once we got stuck out here because of a visa problem and and stayed because it was the cheapest hotel we could find at the time and this tells you how long ago was my well, times changed at yeah. silvermine bay hotel it was the cheapest oh, yeah. place we could find and we were looking for somewhere we wouldn't have to spend much money so we ended up hanging around for a couple of weeks in Muiwo back when I when uh, about 2002 or so 2003 okay. and yeah. then uh so when we came back and we decided well we'll we'll see what it's like we thought we might stay for three months or a year or something yeah. like that so yeah. Muiwo was the first place we looked and we moved directly to Muiwo I've never lived in the city um this yeah. actually this city that we're standing in right now this is the the highest density place I've ever lived. We lived back in the, and this this wouldn't have done with your with your snake fetish, but we lived in the back <laughs> back of Lok Tay Tong, above the uh, the temple. Like if you go all the way to the end of the last house on that road, yeah, in, in the forest up in the end of that holler. Wow, yeah, that wouldn't uh, have gone down well. <clears throat> I know where you mean though. Yeah, I know exactly where you mean. So we lived there for a couple okay. of years, and uh, it was it was always that thing. We we kind of liked it. We we had. We made some friends and we we enjoyed being here and did actually yeah. started doing a little bit of traveling and and uh, we for went down seven years of like ah oh, we'll go back next year we'll go back next year we'll yeah. go back next year yeah. and then that and um, and then we did go back for a bit and I don't know you know the the longer you're away from home the harder it is to go back I agree uh, but yeah. it's it's yeah and it. it I don't know. There's not any particular reason we may go back eventually, and I, uh, there's certainly a lot of reasons. Well, there's there's mostly family related reasons. Yes. But yeah. Outside of that, I, I I could live about anywhere in the world. I I like to be in new places. Yeah. So, so really, it was. I mean, what the chances are of finding a girlfriend and then wife from Hong Kong hmm. in in Memphis? There's there's not a lot. I think there there's a population of a, a couple hundred of like amazing Hong Kong people, and there wow. maybe not, uh, probably less. I think because her parents know all of them. Brilliant. But it's, it's a fairly small community, and yeah. uh, there is just happenstance, I guess. Um, and had she ever lived here in, in uh, she Hong Kong? She was she was. Born and very briefly lived in Canada. Uh, all yeah. of her father's family, most of them, immigrated to Canada years before the handover. Yeah. And uh, well, they all left before '97, 
Right. But, um, so he ended up immigrating to the States because in a, another strange twist, her, um, her father's little brother um, got real religious and decided to go to seminary in, um, in <laughs> Kentucky. And he went and oh, wow. he met a girl there and they got married and he lived, he lived near Memphis. And uh, so when the, he helped um, my father-in-law, uh, sponsored him for immigration and go to the stuff. Right. So they ended up moving Good. there just because that's where he was at the time. And then yeah. they ended up getting a job and getting a, a little place or whatever there. Yeah, so, yeah. and yeah. they've been there since he's uh yeah, he's the guy, he's the little guy that always is wearing a, uh, American flag polo shirt and like he's he's uh, <laughs> Bless him. yeah get on him her mother not so much she's lived yeah. she's lived for almost thirty years in America and never learned English so do you feel like your Cantonese is reasonable these days or you get by yeah I can I yeah can say what I need to say I guess I, I yeah, there's not not on a level of scholarship I can't I can't read a newspaper but I can read menus and I can read uh, basic impressive. stuff and I it's helpful having my wife who still as of course fluent but i think her her english yeah. has always been better than her her chinese but i always joke i think i learned most of it in the wet market just from, hey, from hanging from around you? talking to, yeah. to the, the aunties in the wet market yeah yeah okay so let's move on uh to south side so you started south side up near the estate the gam house right. states uh, uh, up there and it seemed to me to take off like nobody's business <laughs> well we we did with locals as we well. didn't plan to that was uh, yeah it was it was mostly accidental uh when was i started that? just out i mean three years ago four no uh we i rented that space uh just under two years ago okay and only two years so ago. we'd been doing the uh i make the beef jerky uh and i'd been doing that as i was working another job for a year or two and i i uh kind of started and that was me that was that was another thing of me just being cheap that I, I wanted to eat it and I couldn't there's there's none yeah, available here makes and sense. and I uh, I used to when I'd go back home I'd I'd pack a whole bunch of it with me and bring it back and I'd yeah. carefully ration it out and, yeah, and go yeah. through it and that but okay, I, yeah. and then I got a few mates that like that liked it and would would get into it or whatever so I I figured I'd it'd be a lot easier if I just figure out how to do it myself I I knew some basics from when I was a teenager the um, youth group minister guy uh at the church it, it was a big hobby of his and he did it and he I'd, i made a few batches with him he showed me like how to do it taught me some tricks and he'd help me kind of like i'd okay. we'd, we'd work on a batch of marinade together and then i'd go home and cook it on mine and he'd tell me what i did wrong how it should be laid and that so i yeah. i kind of learned a bit then but i hadn't i hadn't done it for 20 something years and then i wow. so i got a little small one started fooling around with it just trying to do batches and i had some good and some bad, but then I thankfully yeah. have a few friends that like to, you know, eat it, and so I, I just kept yeah. testing stuff and yeah, passing it around at work and and seeing getting feedback and improving yeah. recipes, and then I did that for a year and a half or two years until um when my son was born and I was still working away and I used to do a lot of after school classes and stuff and I was I'd be gone from early in the morning until on in the evening supper yeah. time and uh, I figured i'd spent almost 10 years teaching other people's kids and I, I did a lot of odd jobs i did some bartending in the meantime i didn't and i've i've worked in restaurants most of my life outside of when i lived here i started doing that and trying to find places to sell it and got some little better looking packaging and did all that yeah. and, and i kind of got up to the volume just on the side where i was doing as much as I could do at home, I couldn't. It took over too much of the kitchen, and <laughs> few people have spacious, luxurious kitchens. Uh, yeah. So, I was. Uh, I got found that little space uh, over there, which used to be a barber shop, but had been empty for a while, That's and right. started going yeah. through the stuff. So I, I spent, uh, in in my manner of of being too tight to pay somebody else to do it, I I, I ground down all the floors, I painted everything, I epoxied it, I did all the plumbing, I ran the electric lines, I, wow. I did the that so it like I I put up all the steel on the walls and did it and it took three or four months to put it together really? and then right. had to get a, a a few things done for science so I could get the uh, the license stuff and the exhaust. It, trust me, if you're thinking about taking an empty space and making it into a restaurant or a food factory, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, so. a, it's a ball. Like, it's a it's a lot of stuff. But anyway, so we had that going, and uh, it was you know once we're operating and that we're still not to the to the volume 
of it. So yeah. we thought like, well, shoot, I'll just I'll get a rotisserie. I can cook chicken. Like we'll get that. I'll I'll cook yeah. some chickens and do a bit of stuff on the side, just on the weekends for for extra money. Yeah, and do that. But there was a. Uh, it was quite a bit more response than we had anticipated, and we uh, we 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 were pretty overwhelmed at the beginning uh, in the first few weeks, and then we yeah. that kind of just incrementally stepped up and stepped up until it took over more and more of the time, and then I don't have time to do beef jerky anymore, <laughs> but I, I still have to now. So I, yeah, I was last night till yeah. one o'clock here cutting beef and doing marinades. So wow. <laughs> that's wow. uh, yeah, that's that's mainly me and. Uh, and my associate Paolo are, are are into the late night hours, cutting yeah. beef and doing marinades and wow. stuff. That's how it appeared to me. Southside became very um, successful very quickly, and you're slowly educating Moy Woe's taste. I think mm. you know, you, even That's mine. It. I never had beef jerky before. <laughs> you're it's laughing a fine at me snack. at no, my it's, age. It's, yeah. Well, no, I don't, I don't not, like it. It's not. Yeah, it's uh, it's not uncommon. It's a lot of people. Yeah. It is a it is a very culturally specific snack for uh, for some parts of the world, but it's. Uh, it's a very healthy snack. Like it's it's a good source of protein. There's yeah. there's not much like and in the at least the beef jerky I make. There's no there's no preservatives. There's not too much sodium. Okay. There are like there are some flavors that have no sugar. Some that are low sugar. So it's it's depending on your taste and that. And I in the same way I make far too many flavors that then make sense. And it's it's usually it's a, my cross to bear I guess because I get bored yeah. and I always want to try new stuff. I always kind of want to experiment and come up with new flavors. But I can't keep up with the demand for the ones I've got, so I, I have to every time I cook, I'm cooking ten or eleven or twelve different flavors at the wow. time, which is a okay. It's a bit of a hassle, but um, yeah, yeah. Well, we're getting hopefully we're getting some more uh, help with that where we're not. I have yeah, I can train some more people to uh, to do that because well, I can't ever keep up with the demand. I have there's there's a batch cooking right now that every one of them's accounted for, and I don't know if they'll be <laughs> if it'll make the orders. Really? But uh, we we have a a meat and two meat and three kind of thing that's a common diner yes. kind of like yeah. formula for food uh yeah, in, in my part of the country yeah. yeah and that's uh that's a and that was what the concept that we kind of went with in the beginning but it was that the niche that's missing in a lot of markets in hong kong for food are is the the mid-grade casual day-to-day -day food most western food here yes. is either fancy and expensive or mcdonald's but a lot of yeah. times you want a burger that properly fits in your mouth and tastes nice but doesn't cost yeah 180 for a burger yeah so it's uh i think there's there's a lot of room there in the middle that's been underutilized for a long time my thinking from the beginning was that i wanted to be uh like what the tatantan is for like for just that yeah it's the, the tatantan is the diner of hong kong like it's yes the, it's where you'd you'd go after work if you can't be bothered cooking or you'd, yeah. you'd go in and stop in for with your family for a dinner yeah. like i don't i don't care to be the like the candles and date night place because there's yeah. there's, there's a lot of those and like yeah. yeah there is and there's there is a market for it and it's there but it's an oversaturated market especially yes. with the way that the restaurant industry right now is in hong kong and it's a tough time for restaurants i yeah. think um yeah that's why we're not as affected as as some other places by it because we've always had quite a bit of takeout uh, yeah that's that's been in the beginning takeout was was almost all of our stuff now of course we have a a dining room and we have stuff so it's it's balanced yeah. out but we still do quite a lot of takeout um yeah well yeah and that's going to help you in good stead really as we get washed over time and time again by yeah. covid restrictions or whatever um okay so you you started there you ran for a couple of years up near the estate um really great to see you on the same parade of shops i think maybe the same building as me now which yeah. is brilliant you've taken over where lantau taste used to be you've turned that into a, a south side american diner uh, and it's starting to get that feel about it there's a lot of things done in phases as uh as budget and time allows money, but, yeah 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 but we're uh we're we're expanding some things on it and we're uh we're still in the process of getting the bar thing like in the the uh the decoration sorted out yeah uh we're waiting on the um on a couple other licensed things with the with the bar part but it, yeah. it should be in short order along and that's it's funny the like the it's kind of an archaic process for like because they didn't have a liquor license before and i'm not i don't care to operate a bar i have before and i they're it's it's a tiring business i'd also like to have 
couple of beers on tap. I, I like craft beer, and, I, and a yeah. lot of my regular customers do too. So I, I'd like to have some craft local beer taps and and have that. And so that's yeah. the, that's the last part of the the front of the the shop the that's, that's still coming yeah. together. But okay. it's um yeah over the the uh, kitchen's coming up to volume. Everything's yeah. working pretty straight. We're always yeah. Will you keep the place going up near the estate at some point when you fully move to there? How's that going to work? Uh, we're still we're going to share the space. Um, there's a, a guy I'm sure many of your listeners probably know, Daryl, uh, who was previously the chef at Paws. Oh yeah. Uh, who is yeah. he? Does um, Island Ferments kombucha? Like so, he has a okay. kombucha and he's been doing it on the side, and he wants to take it you know to then raise it up to the next level and really start increasing yeah. production and and have a bigger facility so we've kind of um we're we're sharing the space because it's a food factory space uh right. so he'll uh he'll be doing his kombucha there and uh that's at I the think, old place yeah at yeah. the old place down there and he's i'm not sure about all the details he is going to do some food takeaway food in a lot of the same way that we used to do i think it'll be a little more like um uh, sandwich deli coffee sort of based okay. stuff um yeah. and also the um uh double haven scott and lee from double haven are involved in the project and they yeah they want a little more uh, visible retail front for land Talford for uh dragon water and double haven so they'll okay. be, they'll be involved there uh but as well yeah yeah but it's a it's a good space and i i like the location and i think it is one that as Moywell continues to grow and evolve. It's it's a good centrally located spot. Yeah. And I always liked it in the time we were there. You know, what I've found in four years of being here is that very quickly the local population will subtly and sometimes unsubtly let you know what they want. Mm-hmm. And you, if you've got an open mind to adapt to that, then it works. We, we did that a bit here. We kind of diversified our products a bit and we started to do local things. Um, and I see, you know, with you, yeah, you, you wanted to be a takeaway. You then had to put out some tables and chairs. Then you had to expand. Now you can come onto the high street. Mm. It's it's all good, really, yeah. and it's good for the future. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, it's it's good for the community, and I, I do care about the community, and I'm, I'm happy to, to offer, yeah. uh, you know, a product that people seem to want at a, at a price they seem to not mind paying. Okay, so the last thing to just mention, I think, uh, your place in Moncock uh, is that now fully up and running yes uh, there is so that that came about from um, I met the uh, I, I buy cider um, and seltzer there's this uh, two town cider um, this guy Nico imports it and I met right. him through that just looking for suppliers and uh, okay. I knew some through a friend of a friend or something and I met him and got in we met a few times and talked about and he had spoken about wanting to open some other places and uh, he kind of pitched uh, using the southern cuisine and uh, yeah. doing it so we kind of worked in so the um, my partners with that two of them are they used to they owned a place called Momentai in Saigon which is a, a fairly large place by the public pier okay um, which has now been taken back by the government and but they had that restaurant for a while. They wanted to, during the time that it was definitely going to be closed, and they didn't know if they were going to get it back or not, open another place uh, because they were both free, and they did that. So we have one other partner who's, uh, whose family has been in restaurants, and uh, we started this place, Graceland, which is uh, Graceland. it's the bar. It's kind of the, the bar system set up for Momentai. There's, there's a lot of nice, interesting cocktails, and Nico is a great uh bartender and like he he's really put a lot of thought into coming at interesting like southern inspired cocktails and cuisine so it's mm. a it's a cool cocktail bar yeah uh, we have and uh, this is uh, I've, I've spoken to you many times about we we have yeah. a a vinyl jukebox that plays 45s and we spent months finding 45s all over town yeah and uh doing that so we have now massively currently, jealous of that yeah well, currently <laughs> we have to, uh, it's Good. made by rockola and it was actually new it's it's we had it custom yeah. made from this company that's one it's the only company still around that was making jukebox back in the 50s and 60s and yeah. they're still making them so it, it has all of that. the like all of the nostalgic important parts but yeah it's very technologically sophisticated like it, it's yeah. got a, a good system it, it it's very 
gentle on discs and it uh and it's got a good sound system and stuff so it's the only sound system we have really? at graceland actually is just the jukebox we don't have any other speakers although yeah. it can go to other speakers but it's enough to fill the room so it's we like and and uh like i said um nico my partner has spent a lot of time searching through ebay and like stuff buying discs from the states and from europe yeah. and stuff and i've spent time cool. digging through the dust cool. stacks of every record shop in hong kong <laughs> so uh, and it's 45s are an interesting like uh collecting thing for records because oh, not yeah. many people buy them there's some there's 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 yeah. some still around but not a lot a lot of people yeah. threw them out back in the 90s or whatever yeah so it's 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 just an extra level treasure hunt because like there yeah. is, there are some great ones still out there you look through like lps a lot of the good stuff is pretty picked over now since yeah. there's been a, a little resurgence of interest so either like the best stuff is either picked over or people have ideas about what it's worth now yeah uh, but 45s not many people are buying them so you can find some some diamonds some in the rough yeah, but yeah. every time you look for it is there are also just mountains of stinkers like you go through yeah. i i found uh uh was it my I, my favorite one was at this uh somewhere in Samsa Bowl on the side of the road and in, in an alley and yeah. I, I dug through and of course that's always my first question when I walk in and got he's got any 45s and they're back there and there's always yeah. a dusty box in the back or something yeah. they pull it out so this guy had three boxes of them and I, I, I pulled them and, and just started flipping I sat there for 20 or 30 minutes flipping through just yeah. just a mountain of garbage like it, it ones that like just extremely obscure things probably self-funded look like they were taken with a a, a, a <laughs> polaroid camera the, the album cover but um uh -huh. yeah you just dig and dig and dig and then like went yeah. through and and three discs from the end of three boxes full i yeah. found the billy jean single uh Michael Jackson, oh, wow. which is like it was original, first wow. press, like it's there and in good condition and like oh my everything. God. So like yeah, it was that, but I looked oh through, my God. I looked through two hundred discs yeah, before that there. to get to it, That's and my it was life. there. But yeah, well you you go yeah, and like, I thankfully I like doing it. I, I like uh, what was yeah. the B side? Because I know you were big on B sides uh, yeah, as well. It's, you, it's you actually a good strategy. that one is okay. I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but it's it's a decent one. It's off yeah. the same album. Because that um, was your strategy, and I thought straight oh, away, what a great idea. You want good A and B sides mm. so that you maximize your 200 discs. Well, that's the problem. When the when the machine uh, is, on, discs, is on rotation, sides. when nobody's punching in songs, yeah, B sides up. come up a lot. And yeah. there's a surprising number of 45s that have just like awesome songs on the <laughs> yeah. A side. And they're not always terrible songs, but they're always long ballads yeah. on the b-side they're always something slow and kind of depressing and like there's <laughs> s songs with crying and stuff they're always like long lost love songs and stuff and it's just it kills a bar like yeah. you can't everybody's having a good time rocking and then like then some sob song comes on yeah. and like so you can't you can't have that in a jukebox like it comes up comes on <laughs> exactly like and i've I've yeah. had to turn away a lot of ones that were on my wish list that I really liked just because the B-side was so awful. Just to leave the listeners with some ideas on how to get hold of you, do you have website, Facebook, Instagram, sure. da-di-da? Uh, Southside stuff is all, I mean, if you just look at it, it's Southside Hong Kong. Um, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, although... Southside HK or... Uh, Southside Hong Kong, I believe. Hong Kong, okay. Don't expect amazing things, though, because my wife and I are neither of us very sophisticated social media users so we don't yeah. keep up with it a lot then uh lantaljerky.com if, if if anyone's looking okay. for jerky there are okay. there are various shops bars and things around lantau that sell it feather and bone the chain sells it in town if people want to order some jerky or they want to order a takeaway they would just connect onto Southside Hong Kong, and then they they would what WhatsApp you guys, or would they uh, yeah, ring you? Sure, there's or would a they... uh, there's a WhatsApp thing for yeah. the for the shop, and it should okay. be fairly easy to find. Um, or in Muiwar Lantau, there's uh, Sunset Deliveries, of course. We do we do uh, yeah. a fair amount of trade. Those guys them. are good. Yeah, 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 they're good fellas, and uh, so we we keep up with. Um, with that on there most of the stuff we just do in yeah. person but we have the, the shop phone that goes direct to the computer so it puts at, it puts orders in directly okay and that's how we do most of our takeaway besides coming in there uh with the amount of staff we have now we still have to cook jerky every week at least once and yeah we're, that's currently cooking right now so i have people who have to 
It's a uh, the the putting it on the racks to dry it is a fairly labor intensive process okay. of of just setting every piece on because we we do all the cutting, slicing, make marinades, and do that in the evening. Then we put it, it sits overnight in the marinade, and then it has to be like laid out on these metal racks and loaded into dehydrators, which is the right. most like tedious part of the process. Yeah. That and so that often Fair happens enough. early mornings on Tuesday or Wednesday, or there. Mm-hmm. So it um takes away our ability to do lunches yeah. more days of the week and it's nice to be yeah. off work once in a while oh god yeah yeah so you're you're open seven days a week or? oh no well no. so i'm i'm generally i'll have to be tuesday in town. seems to be a uh, sacred day in my world yeah Lose well you. monday yeah. and tuesday we're closed with the restaurant stuff i okay. usually am in town at graceland one or the other of those days uh we're also working on a new project so the um in saigon the momentai which there we have a new location Ah. quite much smaller than the old one but we're uh we're just starting renovation and stuff on that Mm, which we're we're still playing around with the uh uh the cuisine thing but it will be kind of craft beer focused there's not um, yeah. There's not a lot of places in Saigon that are really craft beer focused. So yeah. that'll be the, the core of it, but we're doing a, a bit lighter, different food because uh, we're on the harbor front and the, on the that yeah. seafood street. Oh, so brilliant. we're, we're yeah. right, right in front of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, uh, that's just getting kicked off, so I'm sure that will occupy even more of the time there's not enough jakes around is there really no, i wish if i could if i could make <laughs> you another clone one. yourself all right with that jake i'm just gonna say thank you very much for coming thank you for having me it's a pleasure cheers mate cheers all right you can listen to all our vibrations podcasts published on spotify google podcasts apple podcasts podbean amazon music tune in and alexa stitcher listen notes player fm soundcloud And I don't think there is any others. Or you can watch us on our YouTube channel under Live at Vibe HK. Or follow the links from my website at vibehk.com. Our next podcast will feature an interview with author Suzanne Andrews. The opening and closing music comes from Celestial and is called Green Island Dub and is on the Retrospect vinyl album on sale at Vibe. Finally, a reminder that Vibe is open seven days a week, every day of the year from 12 noon until approximately 6.30pm. Well, that's it for another week. Thanks for listening to the 37th Vibe Book and Music Shop podcast called Vibrations. I'm Gary Brightman. You get my vibe? Can you imagine what this old island must have looked like to those Dutch sailors when they first saw it? A dream of a new world. They must have held their breath. Afraid it would disappear before they could touch it.